mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Take a Look into Canaan. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verses 48 through 50. Here now... Pastor Moody. Stand with me if you would. I'm going to the Word of God to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Uh, Amen. And we're going to preach a little while this morning. This is the account of Moses being called upon the mountain by God. And God tells him to go up on the mountain and look over into Canaan land. And then God tells him to die. Wow. Wow. And the Lord spoke to me some things from this scripture. And I tell you, I had a good time preaching in the first service. And I hope it goes well in this one. And uh, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit today about take a look into Canaan. Take a look into Canaan. Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 32, starting in verse number 48. And the Lord spake unto Moses that selfsame day, saying, Get thee up into this mountain, Abarim, unto Mount Nebo which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho, and behold the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for a possession. Notice this. And die in the mount whither thou goest up, and be gathered unto your people, as Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered unto his people. I want you to notice two things God says to Moses. Go up in the mountain, look into Canaan. And then he says, die, die. You know, this may seem like morbidity, morbidity, it may seem a little strong, but God began to deal with me about the success of Moses' life. Great man, powerful man, deliverer, a type of Christ. And God takes him up. And he's still strong, and he's still vital. He's, the Bible said 120, and there's no dimness in his eye, and he's as strong as he was when he was a young man. And he could have fought on. But God says, no, it's time to go home. I want you to go up and see the promise, and then I'm taking you home. I want to preach for a little while and take a look into Canaan. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the presence of the Lord. And God, I just ask that you would use us today to encourage people as we were encouraged by the generations that came before us. Father, help us today to be a light shining. God, in the midst of trouble and in the midst of discouragement and darkness, let people have hope today that you're still God, you're still on the throne, you have no rival. Those words just seemed to resonate with me earlier this morning, and they are now. You have no equal. And God, we trust you for everything. And everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated. As I said, this is the account of Moses passing of the end of his life. God commands him to go up into the mountain ranges of Nebo up to Pisgah, 
which is the highest of the mountains. And he says, I want you to behold Canaan. I want you to see it, and then I want you to die there while you're looking at it. In verse 52, God tells Moses, you're going to see the land, but you'll not enter. And as I said, this may sound discouraging, but think about Moses. He understood that he would not enter because he had failed the Lord at Meribah Kadesh. God had told him once to smite the rock and the water would come out and feed the multitudes, millions of people, and take care of them. But then the second time when the people began to complain and need water, God spoke to him and said, this time just prophesy to it. And Moses became frustrated and angry with the people. And the Bible said he took his rod and he smote the rock again. Paul says emphatically that that rock was Christ that followed them in the wilderness. So him smiting the rock the second time was equivalent to crucifying Christ again, putting him to a second death. And the Bible talks much about that over in the New Testament. And uh, I, when I started thinking about this place, he came to the place where he literally could see the promise. The scripture said in chapter 34, verse 1, Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the Mount Nebo uh, to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan and all of Naphtali and, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah to the uttermost sea. It went on and said in the south plain to the valley uh, of Jericho and to the city of palm trees and unto Zoar. Now, I want you to notice God let him see what they had been promised. And he said, this is the land, verse 4, the Lord said unto him, this is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, unto thy, uh, I, saying I will give it unto thy seed, and I have caused you to see it with thine eyes, but you'll not go over. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, there died in the land of Moab according to to the word of God. As I said in verse 7, it says that he was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim. His natural force was not abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And so the days of the weeping for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, hallelujah, full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses, was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses, had laid his hands on him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now I want you to think about this. Moses had this connection with God. He had met him at the burning bush. The Lord had spoke to him and said, I'm going to use you to deliver my people out of bondage. He had went into Egypt and God had used him and with his rod and with Aaron, his brother. They destroyed Egypt. They brought down the most powerful force for evil on the planet earth. And they had been in slavery over 400 years. And God brought them out with a strong hand under Moses' leadership. The scripture said that they came out carrying the gold of Egypt. They came out wealthy under Moses' leadership. Can you say amen? They went into the wilderness, and I told this in the first service 
according to some commentaries, anywhere from about a 13 to a 30-day journey, right straight across the wilderness, they came to the border of the promised land. And when they got there, they sent in the spies. And some of them brought back an evil report. Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report, and they refused to go in. They turned back into the wilderness. And for 40 years, with a cloud by day and a fire by night, for 40 years, with a rock following them throughout that wilderness, Moses, that man of God, would go up into the mountains, and God would speak to him. He'd give him the commandments. He gave him the pattern for the tabernacle. He established worship, amen, that carries over into the New Testament. I want to tell you the Bible would say there was never a prophet like unto Moses that rose up. No, not in all Israel, not even Elijah. Come on, somebody, the prophet of fire. Not even Isaiah, the great messianic prophet. None of them were compared to Moses. He was, in fact, a picture and a type of Jesus Christ, the deliverer. And yet, he comes to the place of the this promise that God had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember what God said to Abraham? Everywhere you set your foot, it's yours. Hallelujah. And Moses is the man, come on somebody, that God has spoke to and called him to use his, uh, uh, to be used to bring his people out. Now, when he gets to this place, God says two things. I want you to see the promise, and then I want you to die. I, I want to say this. I, I tried to connect this to our lives today, and I thought about here I am, standing here today 42 years after God called me, 68 years old. I've moved in this anointing. I've preached this gospel. Can I tell you, and I say this humbly, I've been blessed to see literally thousands come to Jesus in our ministry over the years. People are in heaven today because God used us to guide them to a place where they could see that it was real. And I thought about a generation before me. Amen. How they used to shout and sing songs like when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Can I tell you they used to sing things like we're camping in Canaan. Glory to God. Representing the spirit filled experience experience. And here we are in a day when it seems like there's so much struggle and so much discouragement and so much trouble. Somebody help me preach. I don't need to hear anybody else talk about how bad the future is going to be. I'm done with hearing prophecies about how bad it's going to be for my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren because I'm standing at the border. I'm on the mountain. I'm looking over. <laughs> Yippee. I'm seeing something that's real. I want to tell you heaven's real. The Holy Ghost is real. He's going to work for my children. He's going to work for my grandchildren. He'll still be God no matter what happens to the world. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Glory. Oh Lord, I go. You got to get this. I remember. I mean, I feel the Lord. I remember. Amen. Some thirty-five years or so longer than that, almost forty years ago. I'm pastoring my first church. 
little old house been converted into a church. We went there with seven people. We started a Sunday school. We started knocking on doors. In a couple of months, that little building held 75 or 80 was packed to capacity. People were getting saved. God was doing things. But when I first went there, them little ladies that was trying to hold that church together said, Pastor Moody, we got a revival scheduled and we'd like to go on and have it if you would. I said, that'll be fine. And I said, who you got? They said, a man out of Winchester by the name of Tommy Schooler. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a man of God. I didn't know Tommy before then, but he came into that little building on fire for God, a Pentecostal man that had an experience. Somebody help me. And he would travel the country and preach revivals and his girls would sing with him. And it was so powerful. And I remember watching Brother Tommy spin around in the floor like a top, like a to hill of praise that the scripture, amen, describes. Somebody help me. And I remember that man of God preaching that week. But there was one message that he preached. I remember it today. It's almost 40 years later, I guess, like it was yesterday. Brother Lonnie back there probably remembers it. He preached a message entitled Gambling and Losing. Tommy saw something, amen, that a lot of people didn't see down through the years. He's today over in Winchester. They've called hospice in. It looks like he might be on the mountain. Hallelujah. He might be looking in one more time, getting ready to make his journey. What I'm trying to tell you is what kept them old folks, them older saints, all the way back to those who came through the Depression and came through two world wars and amen, Korean War and Vietnam War and the war in the Middle East and everybody predicting doom and gloom. But yet God had a church that stayed on the mountain. God had a church that ascended to Pisgah. God had a church that looked over into Canaan and said, we got a reason to keep pressing, keep praying, keep preaching, keep going on. Hallelujah. Give him praise if you would. Take a look. Touch your neighbor and say, take a look over into Canaan. Now, you got to get this picture. Some 40 years earlier, Moses and them stood at the, at the border at Kadesh Barnea and they're looking across the river into Canaan. And so they decide to send spies. The first time it wasn't God's idea, it was theirs. The second time they went in to take the land under Joshua, God told them to send them. And they go in, ten, the 12 spies come back out and two, uh, 10 of them are, you know, are, are grumbling, whining, discouraging the people. But here comes Joshua and Caleb. And when they come out, they got poles. They're holding two men carrying one cluster of grapes. Somebody help me. Amen. Melons so big that they can't hardly carry them. The fruit of that land is, a, and they come out and they walk, they walk right up to Moses. They say, oh my, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Ooh, glory to God. And one of them said, hey, there's cities for us to live in over there that we didn't build. Are you all hearing me? You know, some people see the glass half full and some always see it half empty. Are you all with me? And they said there are storehouses over there that they filled up for us. It's waiting for us. God has said it's ours. And old Caleb said, if we go up now, let's, let's arm our men. Let's go on in. Let's go in there and bloody their noses and take everything they've got. God has said it's ours. All of a sudden, 10 others by said, wait a minute. Said there's giants in the land and we look like grasshoppers in our own sight. 
and it's a hard land. It's a land that, do you see the difference of vision? I want to tell you where there is no vision, the people perish. And I've made me a decision, Owen Moody has, that from here on out, I'm going to cast my gaze over across the shore. I'm going to keep looking toward heaven. I'm going to keep believing God that I could sense something coming out of the throne room. I'm believing for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'm believing for a revival. I'm believing for a renewal. I'm believing for restoration. You just better might as well get in with me today. I'm not believing the doom and gloom report. I'm believing the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Well, you know the rest of the story. They died in the wilderness because they wouldn't believe God. They died because they wouldn't listen. But then God, 40 years later, takes Moses up to the mountain. That generation that refused to have died in the wilderness, now there's another generation. The only three people that survived it was Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. And now Moses is dying. And God says, but before you do, look over there. I want you to look into Canaan because that's where your people's going. And Moses had raised up Joshua. He had mentored him. He tutored him. He discipled him. I said this morning when Moses went up on the mountain in the thick cloud where there was thundering and lightning and voices and the people had to stay back, stay back, Joshua went as far as he could go. He was right at the edge of it, sitting there witnessing what God was doing. When God came over the tabernacle and the pillar of a cloud and Moses entered in, you know what? And Aaron entered in. Joshua was sitting right inside the door. He was close enough to feel it. Can you say amen? That's the difference in people. Amen. Some people sit back and look and complain and grumble and make golden calves and worship everything but God. But God's always got somebody. Come on, somebody. God's always got somebody that's pressing in. Amen. God's got somebody. As Charles Johnson and the Revivers used to sing, I'm coming up, Lord, up the rough side of the mountain. I'm moving up a little bit higher. I'm getting just a little bit closer. I'm going to look over into the promise. I'm believing that what God said is there, is there. I've heard the prophecies of revival. I'm ready for it. Are, are you with me today? I've heard the, the, the prophecies of the move of God. I'm believing God the ambulances are coming full and leaving empty. I'm believing God the wheelchairs will be thrown out in the dumpster. I'm believing God that the walkers will be cast out in the parking lot. Come on, somebody help me. We've got to get back where we can see Canaan land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some years ago, when we first started this church, for about the first six years, we were, we were in a, a big part of it in what we affectionately call the Little Blue Building. And in that building, blind eyes were opened and, and miracles happened and cripples walked. and I mean, amazing things. Cancers were healed instantly. God did great things. And I remember one time I, we were having, been having good services and, and, and I, I thought, man, I, I feel a revival coming on. And so I got to praying about revival, and, and God sent me J.E. Walters out of Dayton, Ohio. And uh, I don't know if any of y'all have ever heard of J.E. Walters. He's in heaven now, him and Sister Helen. But uh, old J.E., he, he reminds me of Moses. He stuttered when he talked. And he never did call me Brother Moody. He always called me Brother Mooney. And that was okay, as long as he called me. That's all I cared. And J.E. was this, this powerful man that God used in healing. And uh, a man that used to live in Dayton talked to me about that time. And he said, listen, at one time, God put Dayton, Ohio in J.E. Walters' hand. 
He said he had a radio program and said he was on the radio five days a week in Dayton and said he'd go to the radio station and he'd preach and said when he'd get done preaching, said he'd just start praying. And said people all over Dayton, Ohio would start calling in saying, I've just been healed of cancer. I just got out of a wheelchair. Miracles were happening. And they said when you went to the church, they said they had walkers and canes and, thing, and crutches hanging all around the top of the wall. They put hooks up, I guess, and hung them up. Every time somebody would get healed you know, and couldn't walk, they'd take their, their, their crutches or, or their wheelchair and hang it up on the wall. Y'all with me? And Jay came to revival. And in that revival, I saw something every night. He was there, I believe, seven nights. And every night, people got healed. I'm talking about everybody that come in the building that was sick would get healed. And I'm, I'm standing there thinking, dear God, I thought we had something going on. God spoke to me and said, there's another level. There's a generation that's been already. Holy by Sunday, where you need to go. Are you hearing me? And I really believe that today. I believe that God's got some men and women of God who are climbing the mountain and they're looking over into Canaan and they're laying hands on another generation to come on behind them. Why is this so important for us today? Listen, I believe that it was the hope of our ancestors. I mentioned that, that generation. Can I tell you all something? That my daddy, amen. Taylor, your grandpa was the first Pentecostal Moody I ever knew. My dad was the first Pentecostal, and then my Aunt Ann and some others that came in as well, John Jr. But dad got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was about 12, I think, when it happened. I remember seeing the change in this man. I remember seeing this man who had suffered a lot. He had a son to die between Mike and Larry. My mother, uh, his young bride, died tragically when he was a young man. He married again, you know, and he, God blessed him with a great wife and, and another great family. But this man had suffered through some hurt. Well, you don't go through things like that without being affected. Somebody help me. Tell me, understand, you understand what I'm talking about. And I watched Dad as God transformed his life through a new birth. Come on, through a baptism in the Holy Ghost. All of our Baptist Moody family had a meltdown. <laughs> You know, when I got the Holy Ghost, some of them had meetings to talk about me. They, they said, he's lost his mind. I said, oh, I did. <laughs> they said, he'll get over it. I ain't yet. <laughs> Are you with me? It's still real. But it, it was the hope of our ancestors. The Bible said, Hebrews 11, 8, by faith, Abraham, God mentioned Abraham, said this is the land of gave. He said, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, the scripture said, that he obeyed and went out, not knowing where he was going. Hebrews 11 and 9. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker was God. We well, used to sing that old song, looking for a city where we'll never die. Abraham sojourned looking for that city, for that, for that new Jerusalem, for heaven. John 8, 56, Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and when he saw it, and saw it and was glad. 
And John Gill in his commentary said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, or he was desirous to see my day. As the Syriac and Arabic versions rightly render the word, he was very desirous. He was hungry to see it. And he wanted to get to that place that God had spoke. And God said, Your seed will be like the sands of the sea. They'll be like the stars of heaven. Remember what Abraham said. How can that be? I'm 75 years old. All I've got is this Eliezer that was born in my house, a servant. And then you, you, you know the story that he that uh, he took Sarah's handmaid and, and had a son by her and his name was Ishmael and God said nope that's not him I made I gave you a promise come on when God makes a promise you can stand on it and when he was a hundred years old somebody say a hundred years old and his body was dead and his wife was 90 and the scripture said their productive years were past the deadness of her womb yet she had a child she laughed in the tent door when the Lord said by this time that nine months from now according to the time of life you're going to hold that little baby and she laughed and they named him Isaac and that means laughter are you hearing me and then Isaac amen had a son named Jacob and Jacob had 12 sons and one of them's name was Judah and out of him came one named Jesus and in him all the nations <laughs> of the earth are blessed God kept his promise can you say amen so we're connected to that the second thing I see in climbing the mountain and looking back into Canaan, looking back into the days of, uh, of bygone Pentecost and, and all the things that God did in the past and the things that he's doing now, and I'm looking forward to the future. I'm excited about the new stuff. Y'all hear me, young people, get excited about the new stuff, but God help you if you lose touch with the old stuff. I got a few shouters in the house. God help us if we lose sight of Pentecost. God help us if we lose sight of the great healing movements of the 60s. Come on, somebody in the Jesus movement and the charismatic renewal and the great awakening. God has always been trying to connect us back to what he promised. Can you say amen? Not only do we see the hope of our ancestors, but Sister Annette, when I look into Canaan, I look in for encouragement. I, I believe in heaven. How many believes in heaven? I believe it's real. Can I, can I tell you, I believe it looks like this. I believe the walls are jasper. I believe the gates are pearl. Twelve, we used to sing 12 gates to the city. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Abundant entrance, can you say? Each gate's 50 miles wide. Each gate's made out of one pearl. And I, I told him this morning, I said, I can't wait to see a pearl 50 miles wide. And one guy said, I want to see the oyster that made the pearl. Come on, it represents the suffering of Christ. We enter in because of his suffering. Pearls are made from suffering. And, and they're, they're mansions, they're streets of gold. I said this this morning, I said the NIV gives you room. People have argued over that for years. But the Living Bible, the King James Version, some of y'all catch that later, gives you a mansion. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop, in that bright land where we'll never grow old. Hallelujah. I mean, I believe the promise. So I look in for encouragement. In John, uh, Revelation chapter 7, John saw the ceiling of the 144,000 uh, in the earth, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. I hate to disappoint the Mormons, but it ain't them. They claim it's them. 
One of them told me one time, he said, only the, the elite, 144,000 Mormons get to go to heaven. I said, you're a nut. And I said, read the next verses after you read that. that I said, there's 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. I said, you ain't, you ain't no Jew. You're not from Israel. And he just looked at me like, huh? And I said, now read the next verse. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. said, after this, watch this. I beheld and lo a great number which no man could number of all nations, all kindreds, all persons, all tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Everybody from everywhere who's ever been blood washed. There's no racial division. There's no ethnic division. There's no national division. There's no political division. Can I tell you, there ain't no donkeys and elephants in heaven. <laughs> it's only those who've embraced the Lamb, can you say, man? And so all of a sudden, he said they had palms in their hands. They cried with a loud voice and said, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and under the Lamb. And one of the elders answered me in verse 13, saying, What are these? Who are they? Arose in these white robes, and where'd they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And therefore they're before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. They'll never hunger anymore. They'll never thirst anymore. Neither shall the sun light on them. Or in other words, they won't ever get too hot anymore. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and lead them to fountains of living water. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. Hallelujah. When it says they come out of great tribulation, that doesn't mean the seven-year tribulation. That means those who've walked through battles and struggles. Amen. Ever since Calvary. Ever since the church was born on Pentecost. Every child of God that's ever lived, it's going to be standing there wearing white robes, waving palms, praising God, never sick, never tired. Oh, come on, somebody. God said they were sown corruptible. They're going to get up incorruptible. They were sown mortal. They're going to get up immortal. I look into the Word of God for encouragement. I dare you look at somebody and say, I'm going to make it, praise God. This world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. <laughs> Hallelujah, I can't feel at home in this world anymore. This ain't my home. My citizenship is over there in that place. I, is anybody hearing me? I get encouraged when I read about heaven. Take a look into Canaan. Let me go on. I'm going I'm to hurry. I'm going to hurry. I'm going to close here in about 45 minutes. Me... The next thing I do is when I look, I look in not only for encouragement, but I look in with expectation. I've got some promises that God gave me. You know, this is a love letter that he wrote to me. Huh? How many of y'all know God loves you? Can I tell you something? I'm his favorite. Because I have to be or he wouldn't tell me everything he tells me. I mean, the way he talks to me, it's just so wonderful. I love him. Don't you love him? Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me go on. Look in with expectation. The Bible said in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus was getting ready to leave that, that two angels came from heaven. And they came to be his escort. And to leave encouragement. He's, he's, uh, Jesus had been crucified, buried for three days, rose again. 
For 40 days, he walked around, and people saw him. And he spoke to them pertain, things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And the Bible said, by many infallible proofs, he proved that he was the Son of God, rose from the dead. Most well-documented fact of history. Don't get me started on that. And yet, the Bible said, when he started ascending up, listen, over 500 were gathered together. He said, don't. Now, he said, y'all tarry in Jerusalem. Don't, don't go home. Go to Jerusalem and wait till you get the Holy Ghost. Well, 380 of them went off somewhere else. But 120 went to the upper room and got what he promised. Can you say amen? And so the Bible said, while they stood steadfastly, they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up. These two men stood behind, beside him in white apparel, which said to them, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you to heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. And I want you to understand, Jesus left us promised. I'm going, but when I go, I'm preparing you a place. Heaven. Uh, can, can I tell you something? He was the word in the beginning, and all things were made by him. And if, and, and if, and if, he, didn't, if, it, if he didn't make it, it wasn't made. He made the whole, God, God spoke and Jesus was the word that made the world. Are y'all with me? Stay with me just a minute. Now, he did that in six days. The same Jesus has been in heaven for over 2,000 years now, preparing a place. I can't wait to see it. Are y'all with me? If he can do all this in six days, just imagine what he's done in 2,000 years. Take a look. Just get you a gander over into Glory. Forget about CNN. Come on, and CBS and Fox News and, and all the doomsayers and the prophets of doom. Oh, I, Brother Moody, I don't know what's going to happen to your children after you're gone. I do. Praise God, they're going to catch the vision. They're going to hang on to our heritage. They're going to walk in the Holy Ghost. They're, they're already praying right now. God's moving. They're seeing glory. Can you say amen? Let me, let me go on. When Stephen was stoned to death, the Bible said that he was preaching Acts seven fifty four and said when they heard these things, they were cut to their heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. How many can say Stephen was having a bad day? He's preaching and now they're gnashing. That means they're biting him. They're crazy people. They say we're crazy because we talk in tongues. They're biting the man. Come on. And and and. And Paul, Saul, is holding his clothes and they're stoning the poor guy to death because he's telling them about Jesus. Now, who's crazy? They're biting him. I want you to get, they're gnashing on him with their teeth. They're trying, they want to, their hearts are filled with murder. Are you with me? But he, somebody say he, <laughs> being full of the Holy Ghost. You see the difference here? But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and he saw the glory of God. Somebody say he took a look over into Canaan. And Jesus standing on the right hand of God making intercession for him. Same Jesus. He left us the promise. I'm, I'm going to prepare you a place. I'm going to send back the Holy Ghost. Stephen, he's already got the Holy Ghost. He's full of the Holy Ghost. He's, he's on his way to heaven. He's looking at him. He sees Jesus standing up. And I mean, Jesus is Jesus. Can you say amen? 
I mean, this is the same Jesus that when he spoke, demons cried out and said, have you come to torment us before our time? I wish I would get this little sissy picture of Jesus out of your mind. Jesus is the heavyweight champion of the universe, and ain't, he ain't got no rival. He ain't got no equal, can you say? Ain't nobody going to get in his face and mess with him because when he speaks, his voice sounds like thunder, and his eyes look like fire, and his hair is white like wool. Come on, somebody. He's God in the flesh. You need to get that that picture. I see Jesus. And Stephen then says, and behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And then the Bible said Stephen had a look on his face like an angel. I mean, this is crazy. They're biting him and they're stoning him. And he's standing like, right I don't know what he looked like. I just, I'm just trying to... Uh, Y'all hear me? I mean, maybe they're throwing rocks at you. You ought to be going, oh, oh, oh. No. And, and, and his life is leaving, they think. <laughs> but what he's done, he's climbed up on Piz God. He's looking over into Canaan, and he's about ready to make one last step. Are you hearing me? Oh, I feel like preaching today. I got somebody needs to get a hold of this. When you get your eyes on heaven and you stay for Paul said, forget those things which are behind you and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. I've been, I told him, Nick, come on to the music. I told him in the first service, 2020 has been a rough year. I said, I've had to bury too many close people. I said, we've, we've lost people that I leaned on, that I depended on. And just recently lost Brother Lonnie Sanders, and we lost Sister Janice Renfro. And, and uh, these were people that meant something to me. And uh, they died, and we, 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 you know, Lonnie suddenly, Sister Janice, eight years, bent fast. And she should have gave up. She should have lost hope. But Lonnie's told me, he said, Owen, Brother Owen, he said, he said it like this. He said, if she didn't make it, didn't nobody make it. He said, I'd hear her laying there praying, getting in the Holy Ghost. He said, they, we'd hear about people sick and in trouble, and I'd hear her in there calling their name out to God. I said, she couldn't get up, but she was laying there praying. Come on, somebody. I tell you, when you get up on the mountainside, sometimes you can see things other people can't see. And I said, it's been a rough year for me. And uh, the Lord began to speak to me about this from the scripture. And, I, and it started like this. You know how he did it? It started like this. When me and Gail first got saved, and I, I learned to play a guitar just a little bit, we loved to sing. And we started singing a little old song that said, in the Bible, there's a man named Moses. I read it just today. How God called him to lead his children out of the miry clay. And when old Moses' work was done, he'd followed the Lord's command. God moved Moses to the mountaintop to look over in the promised land. I'm going to move on up the mountain. Look over in the promised land. Look down into Canaan while on the mountaintop I stand. I want to see the milk and honey flowing. When I leave this world, that's where I'm going. I'm going to move on up the mountain and look over in the promised land. 
And that song got on my mind, and I said, God, I haven't thought about that forever. And he said, I'm telling you, you just stay focused because I'm about to show myself among the people. She da 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 da. I don't care what CNN says. I don't care what the prognosticators and predictors say. My hope is not in the election. I, but I, and I want to say this. I'm not going to get political, but I will say this. I'm going to vote my conscience. I'm not voting for anybody that's for abortion. Come on, that's as far as I'll go with that. But my whole point is this, regardless how it goes. Somebody said the other day, they said, what in the world are we going to do if Trump loses? I said, well, I'm going on with Jesus just the same. <laughs> I'm going on with Jesus just the same. Well, they may false accuse me and scandalize my name. But I'm going on with Jesus just the same. I know I'm messing you up over here. But I'm looking over into Canaan. I see heaven. I hear voices. D.L. Moody was dying. Laying on his deathbed. And they were gathered around him. And they knew that he saw something. He had children that had died before earlier. And they said, one of his sons said, Dad, so what do you see? He said, I can see the children's faces. I hear their voices. And then he said, I hear singing. And he said, if this is death, death is sweet. And then that old man of God that won over a million to Christ without television, internet, or even electricity closed his eyes and stepped into glory. I'm going to move on up the mountain. Keeps me going, Sean. Keeps me going. I had a funeral yesterday and a wedding last night. Funeral this afternoon. Hundreds. Hundreds, Sam. I've went out to that graveside. Said, we've gone as far as we can go today with this dear saint. And we commit their body to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, and dust to dust, in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. But their wonderful, precious spirit and soul, we commend to God who gave it. And if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, when he comes, Paul said he'll bring them with him. And I've always said, Chester, I, God will determine where I'm going to be when the rapture takes place. But I'd love to be out there saying, now, Lord, we commit this body to the ground, earth to earth. And about that time, every grave around me just bust open. And saints start coming up. It won't be like that. Well, you just think about the way you want to. I'm going to think about it the way I want to. It's going to happen. They're, he's coming and we're going. And then we'll not all sleep. We'll not all die. But we'll all be changed in a moment, the twinkle of an eye. And the, the same spirit that raised them will, will change us. And we'll be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll go back to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I believe that. I'm looking into Canaan today. What are you looking at? Are you walking around wringing your hands? Oh, God. Oh, this is horrible. I walked to that funeral home yesterday, and I went to every one of them precious children. I've known them all since we was young. Miss Pauline had two boys get killed. One got killed in a car wreck when he was about 20. The other one got killed in a construction accident when he was, I think, maybe 25 or so. And uh, 
I walked around to all them children. I said, I'm sorry about your mommy. I'm sorry about your loss. And every one of them, even the ones that wasn't saved, looked at me and said, she's in a better place. She had Alzheimer's for years. And one of them said, I don't want her to come back, not where she's at. And him not even saved. And I thought, what's wrong with the rest of the people in our country? These people believe in heaven. And it gives you hope, can you say amen? And said our hearts on you, Lord, come and We hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.